Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today is Karen Abrams of STEM Guyana. Karen, great to have you on on Fostering Solutions today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. So tell the audience about yourself. Who is Karen Abrams? Um, Karen Abrams is today um, a woman who is consumed with the idea of um, improving outcomes, educational outcomes, um, economic outcomes for young people uh, from vulnerable families. So that's who I am today. Um, Karen Abrams has always been uh, creative, has always been a little bit on the wild side, non-traditional, um, basketball player, only girl playing with the boys, Okay. national team player. Um, so I, I have, my, my past is, 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 has been very non-traditional. And, um, and this is my big passion today. And um, it's something that um, I'm putting a lot of energy into and a lot of people are helping me with it. So, so talk about STEM Guyana, what inspired you to start such a timely um, initiative? Well, Guyana was clearly out of the, um, was, was completely out of the running in terms of um, empowering young people Uh, preparing young people for a technology future. Um, I spent a lot of time with my own children who are today uh, 23, 24. I have four of them. So they range from 17 to 24. But um, I spent a lot of time with them, um, walking them through that whole space, you know, from robotics and and math and and getting them involved and, and competitive and interested in the whole space. And so we had sort of a keen interest in, in, in the, the first global robotics. And my kids would always say, where's Guyana? Guyana's not competing. We'd see Jamaica, we'd see Trinidad, the young people with the robot kids. And so we decided, hey, let's, um, the first lady, former first lady came down to Georgia and I met her and she said, let's do a project. And I said, well, you know, there's this thing, this robotics thing. And she immediately um, liked it. And this, that was around January or February. And then she's like, let's do a camp this summer. And I thought she just, I thought, you know, she's just talking, right? She's not gonna fall. And then April, she emails me and said, are you preparing? So- <laughs> She was serious. Yeah, she was serious. So, so I actually started um, um, reaching out to the diaspora, raised a bunch of money, bought robot kits, recruited my kids, and we headed down there for the summer. And we, we had about four different robotics camps and it was quite a success. So what year was that? That was 2016, that was 2016. Okay. Okay. And we left the, afterwards we, we had like 16 or 17 robot kids. We were like, what are we gonna do with this? So we had a little call out and we recruited churches, community centers, um, representatives from all of those areas. And we, we did a sort of a training session, a club leading training, club, club leader training session with them. And we left the kids with them. And the very next year when we came back, we were able to have a robotics exhibition because they all had continued and recruited kids and had gotten better. So we knew that uh, we'd actually planted a seed that was a very important seed and that was catching uh, root, taking root. So you build their capacity kind of like a train the trainer model. Absolutely, that is That's exactly wonderful. the model. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So what, what's the overall mission of STEM Guyana? Like, what are you trying to achieve if you were to put that into words? Um, the mission, I think, when I think about it is, I want to help make Guyanese children globally competitive. Um, I am convinced that, um, I, I mean, the evidence is clear. When we leave Guyana, we, um, we excel. And, and whether it be our children or the adults or wherever we move, we excel. So talent is not our problem. So what my vision was sort of, okay, so if we could bring the same resources to the young people in Dan, if we can help to change the culture, if we can sort of influence um, the way thinking happens, the way conflict resolution happens, the way teamwork happens, then I think that we can essentially um, create a, a group of young people um, in the country who, who can be globally competitive. I mean, that was sort of what I had in my mind that, and you know, today when people think of STEM Guyana, they think robotics, but robotics is a very small part of what we do. What we actually do is we, we um, empower and, and inspire young people to develop these critical skills that they will need whether or not they go into technology. So they will need to be able to think if through, I mean, whatever the eventuality, when if, 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 um, if AI takes over um, the legal space or the medical space or all of these areas that, that parents have traditionally said, you're gonna be a doctor, you're gonna be a liar, right? right? That's what, all they say, isn't it? That's all they say. That's <laughs> all they say. So yeah. we, don't have, we don't have a good look into the future. We don't know what the future brings. And so our next bet is to prepare our young people for any eventuality. And so we believe that maybe 5% of the young people we reach are really going to stay in technology. They're gonna create startups, they're gonna code, they're gonna work, that's 5%. Um, the rest of them will have to learn critical skills that will make them successful and globally competitive in any industry. Right. And, right so what are, what are those, those skills? Those skills are, are the critical thinking skills, the, the teamwork, the, the um, conflict resolution guy, we have no ability to resolve conflict in that country. <laughs> People just abuse each, abuse each other <laughs> out, right? <laughs> you abuse, abuse each other down and the strong survives, you know, it's not even, it's, it's, it's a very sad thing, but um, so, so that's really my intention as, um, as we move forward, right? So to make them globally competitive, especially now, with all of these foreign companies coming down to the country. Yeah, because it's, of oil, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're competing with kids from all, well, kids, in, I think of them as kids, but young people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. So how do they stand out? How do they um, compete? So wow. these are some things that we think about a lot. Yeah, because they, they can get into any career if they, if, they, if they can problem solve, if they can, you know, demonstrate all of these different skills, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you launched in 2016. So where are you now? Like what describe the program trajectory? Um, so it, the program trajectory is, you know, we started off with our camps. We moved to, to, um, to train and empower and do the train to trainer thing with the clubs. Um, with the clubs, we, we had uh, a lot of our emphasis was on the technology piece of the clubs. Now we're moving into or in parallel, we're bringing the academic focus, the math, science and English, mm -hmm. um, just because we're dealing with vulnerable children. And, and that's a space that we, we identified as, as a very critical space. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But so we move from there. And so the next step is, is um, 
creating labs, lab space where these young people can think and play and learn and innovate, right? And then from there, the ultimate goal really is to give them a landing spot. How do we scale? How do we scale innovation so that if they come through our system, there are opportunities for them, whether they're, they're jobs or um, the starting up their own, helping them to start their own businesses or just whatever. We see, we see the, the, the path through STEM GAN as a lifelong commitment. Um, it, it's not the kind of thing where we jump in and we have a two week program and then we're out of there. Like all of our young people understand that there's a space for them for as long as they wanna be there. Okay, okay. Um, so are there opportunities for internships? Are there companies that could hire them for internships and things like that? Yeah, so, so well, we, this year we, we, um, we hired 10 interns um, ourselves and actually many of them are still working right now. It, our internship program was meant to be a 90 day program and it's now gone on for six months for many of our young people, really bright young people who, mm -hmm. who um, are doing different things. They're creating lesson plans for us. They're doing production on the TV shows. They're doing, um, doing assessments. I mean, they're doing a lot of important work, building the groundwork for, for, um, for what our program will be in the future. Um, we've also had um, large tech companies calling us to say, send us a couple of your people to interview for this or that. And one of our guys just got hired. That's so, wonderful, yeah. yeah. He's training right now. And his he had an associate's degree, um, but he's outstanding tech guy. I mean, building robots and all of this stuff. And mm -hmm. of course, the whole, we, we added for him that whole um, navigating through the employment space, through the interviewing space, right? Um, and so um, he's right now training actually for a job in the, in, in the robotic space, um, in the oil industry. So, wow. yeah, so, so we see that, we see that as a, another viable space. And, um, and more than anything else, I mean, Ghana has some smart kids and Ghana's smart kids are really, really bright. They have access to the best of everything and, um, and they'll be okay. You know, I see, I think that they will be okay. The problem is they're only about 10% of the base. And you have a large, a large group of young people who are who struggle with the basics. Like they struggle with being able to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, they struggle with self confidence. They struggle with resolving conflict. They struggle. They've been told all their lives to just be quiet. And when adults are around, and don't speak, and don't think, and don't be rude, and all of those don'ts that. Um, that wind up um, sort of, of, of incapacitating them, you know, mm -hmm. when they get older. So our mission, a lot of what we do is undoing a lot of that culture and then trying to find ways to rope those young people back into, I don't want to say the mainstream because the mainstream is not even the stream that they, they need to be in, right. you know, creating a new stream for them. Um, and, that's, and that requires a cultural change. It's a complete change in culture in Guyana. And I, what I've noticed from you know our volunteer efforts there, they focus so much on just academics, like yeah. like the skills you mentioned, the rounding out, yeah. communications, and the conflict yeah. resolution. They don't have that. They just yeah. focus solely on yeah. academics. That's what yeah. I've, I've noticed. So, what are some of your accomplishments that you're really proud of? Like, what are some notable ac accomplishments today? Well, over um, today, I mean, we came in. 
the big one, of course, is the one that um, the whole national, we came in 10th place um, when in, on our first outing. So that sort of fed directly into this idea that, that we can be globally competitive. And, and that happened to us, I think, in our very first year that we went out to play, to do robotics. So that was kind of a good thing and a bad thing, because now our, our team, like, they're so full of confidence. They believe they should win everything all the time. <laughs> so the confidence thing is kind of getting out the control. But um, so that was a big one. Um, rolling out 75 clubs across the country. In, in, oh, wow. In, yeah, all the different regions. Yeah, yeah, and oh, nine wow. regions of Guyana. That's impressive. Um, that was a, that's that's been a bad. We had to close them down due to COVID, but we've got another program. I'll tell you about. Um, we'll open them back up when school opens, but that has that was a challenge. Um, uh, training two hundred teachers, club leaders. Oh wow! Um, and not teachers per se. It's only a, only a small percentage of them are actually teachers. Many of them are community leaders. Um, folks in the, you know, church leaders, things like that, who are interested in the space and who want to create something for their young people in the community. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a hunger there, um, you know, in Guyana um, to, to, to have communities sort of compete. They're like, we want it in our community, you know? And so, but okay. it's, there's a whole cost associated with it that kind of um, slowed us down. I mean, if we were to grow the way our our customers wanted us to grow. We would have maybe a thousand clubs across the country. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's um we we are doing we're doing pretty well in terms of our brand and in terms of um, being able to convey the message and the benefits of what we do. Um, what else? We are our virtual academy. We have a virtual academy that meets every Saturday, and um, and we have young people from all across the country. Um, and, and a couple young people from, from the US as well. And so they meet every Saturday. We have an instructor. They go through some science concepts. They build robots because they all have robotic robot kits now. And um, really, it's that, that's sort of a, a training ground, you know, to, to have us understand, like, how is this virtual thing working? How are the kids, how are the kids um, learning? Are they distracted? Can we keep their attention? Um, you know, there's a, almost everything we do, Michelle, is 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 lab work. I mean, because I living the ideas, yeah, yes, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, it's um, uh, uh, it's new. We're we're going into the space um, with a new with with new perceptions because um, traditional systems programs haven't been very successful with vulnerable children. Mm. They haven't. I mean, you can name it. A lot of programs run in and run out. And, and, then, and then what happens? It, it all falls to the floor. So mm-hmm. we, we're constantly trying to figure like, how do we change the status quo? What do we need to tweak? Is this working? Is it not working? I mean, one big thing recently, an, another accomplishment is opening up 20, um, what we call learning pods in nine regions of Guyana. And those learning pods are targeted specifically to vulnerable children. So these children have been out of school, unschooled for more than a year. And and school age, these are the, because of COVID? Yeah, because of COVID, yeah. And Mm -hmm. just let me tell you, there's a huge academic divide in Guyana, probably everywhere, but in Guyana. I mean, the middle-class kids, their parents have them on Zoom every hour of every single day. I believe they're getting more education here than they, than they have in the traditional system. They're even doing church online. They're doing chess online. They're doing robotics online. Wow. So they are well taken care of. And then you have 
the other group of kids and they have not, they don't have internet access at home. They don't have computers, they don't have tablets. And these kids, they have worksheets. The parents don't understand what's in the worksheets. They barely, they're struggling. So those are the children that we created this program for. And again, thinking in terms of a lab, we opened up 20 facilities funded by Tullow Oil and ExxonMobil. They give us the funds to do it. We opened up in 20 locations and we essentially built an app in order to manage the thing. So attendance is managed by the app. Um, when they complete a lesson plan, um, they get to click complete and they get points which they could use in the store and buy pencils and things like that. Like everything is innovation, lab, monitoring, Ooh, hey. analysis. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so that's, that's kind of what we do. I mean, if you think about, um, if, 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 if you were to try to figure out like what is our model, um, I wouldn't be able to tell you um, eloquently because it's constantly changing and it's mm -hmm. changing based on what works and what doesn't work. Maybe what? innovation is the model. Wow, that's that's impressive. So what are you, I guess, what comes to mind as someone who's been in nonprofits? Do you have, are you a nonprofit here in the US, a 501c3 here in the US, in Guyana? It's like, how are you organized? Not, we're a nonprofit in Guyana. In Guyana. Oh, okay. yeah, we're a registered nonprofit in Guyana. We're not a 501c3 here which presents a bit of a problem because we get a bit of funding from Guyana, from America as well, um, mostly from my friends and their friends. Um, but, um, and that's something we're looking into. It's just such a, 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 a convoluted process um, to apply for the 501c3 here in the United States. Um, but really our focus, our focus solely right now is building that model and making it work in Guyana. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the vast majority of our funds comes from the um, foreign companies in Guyana. Okay, because I, I thought of that because I'm assuming you're always in fundraising mode and I'm sure there are dollars in the U.S. you can be cashed. Uh, yeah. so that's, oh, yeah. that's what made me think of that, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Something that's on our plate. We, um, Renita Jusbury, I don't know if you know her, but Renita Jusbury is our ambassador here. In, in the US. And so she's working on the whole fundraising piece. So we've had that discussion. It's definitely something that right. we're yeah. So what obstacles, what hurdles have you had to um, overcome on this journey? I mean, I, you kind of mentioned some of the really getting to, to kids who are, you know, caught in the digital divide. So like yeah. what, what hurdles did your organization have to overcome? The foundation hurdles, um, the big four, I call them politics, mm. funding, <laughs> internet, internet reliability, and, and, yeah. and culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I need to go into any of those because you you're shaking your head yes. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. You already yeah. know, but if you are coming to Guyana, you have to be able to navigate the big four, boy, or you will not survive. Leave in frustration, that's for yes, sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. so you started to mention um, uh, virtual, mm -hmm. training virtually and whatnot. So how has uh, COVID impacted your work? Um, it, you know, it hasn't really, it hasn't, really, the big, the big negative impact really is, is, is not having those physical locations open. 
Mm-hmm. But since COVID, we've had um, very successful summer programs um, loaded up with, again, the kids with parents who can afford to pay us um, to have those programs exist. But we also had the diaspora uh, offer scholarships to at least 100 vulnerable children. That's who were good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, last summer. And then, so, so we've had camps. And after the summer was over, we moved right into the virtual academy. So we've got, um, we've got 40 kids registered, but 30 meet um, very regularly. Um, from there, we moved into our Learning Pods program. So that's been successful. From there, we moved into our Robin the Robot TV show, which, which is a really cool production that we have going on. So we've done a lot. It hasn't, the only thing that, that has been impacted really is, um, is our physical uh, club program. Okay, that's good. It's like, you're, it's like you were almost like you were designed to, to succeed in, in the midst of something like a COVID. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It, yeah, yeah. Mm. I can't complain too much. I mean, I, I'm ready for it to be over personally. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. We're all there. Yes. So what do you, if you were to kind of reflect on, you know, the program since you launched in, in 2016, what do you know now that you wish you knew starting out then? Um, I think a big one is is navigating the space, the Ghana space as a woman, mm. uh, as a professional woman, is is something I never imagined would be problematic in this day and age. In yeah. this day and age, well, no, it, it never even occurred to me. I mean, yeah. you're, you're looking at someone who was the only girl who played basketball outside my house with with boys. I mean, all my friends, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was always, I was boisterous. I was playing. I was talented. I was. You know, it never occurred to me that I'd be thought of as different. And my husband tried to explain this to me before I went down to Ghana. I'm like, no, man, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> and literally, um, um, there are men, powerful men there who just think it's okay to say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when you leave the office, it's like, mommy got time with you. Or, you know, so literally brush you incredible, off. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. Yes, yes, and um, you almost—it's—you—you uh, you have to take control of your own story there. You have to, and so I learned that. I, I learned that later on. I wish I'd known that earlier. If I'd known um, about the whole gender thing, um, I would have done things a little bit differently earlier. Um, but, but I mean, I know now, and um, and I, I know what to look for. And I know how to navigate those those uh, rocky rocky um paths so um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm older and wiser now <laughs> you gotta pick your battles right i pick, pick my battles yeah, yeah. what's next for you seems like you're you're on a, a great a great road what's what's next because we are now in april i guess are you gearing up for summer or you know yeah so the big thing the big next really is um is is getting the learning pod program to a space where we understand what works. We understand um, because it, we really only started it a month and a half ago. Um, it's, it was supposed to be a four month program. I'm trying to get funding to extend it um, to be an all year program. I mean, um, I think that, that the middle class kids get to go to lessons quite often. You know, all about the lessons, aren't they? Yeah, those lessons aren't that fun, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an environment where the kids have fun while learning. 
Mm -hmm. um, so for example, um, with science, what, we, what we've realized, some of the things that work is when we integrate science with technology, um, building animations based on what you've learned, they, they are so into it. They, they, the engagement is, 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 you know, is off the charts. And we never have to remind them of what this or that concept means because they're constantly going back to the book to check it out so they can reflect it properly in the animation, right? Um, so we, those are the things that right now we, we want to make sure we have the structure in place to really under, monitor, measure, and analyze what we're doing there so that we can then scale it properly or, or write it up properly. Um, so there's that, and then and then for the long term, I mean, we the things I talked to you about in terms of the trajectory, we want to understand, we want to think about where are young people going to land, where are unschooled young people going to land, and how can we contribute to that space um, in a way that that with a program that scales, you know, it's easy it's easy to go into a community and open up something that will help X number of young people in that community, but how do you think about how do we think about um, a program that could scale um, nationally in several different communities right. and, and create the capacity for it to be sustainable um, in the long term. So those are some of the things that we think about constantly. Um, those are the big issues for us. So what do you, what do you need to accomplish these goals? Uh, a big one is, a, a big one is funding. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I've found out is if we're, when we're able to tell our story um, properly, when we're able to provide the right measurements, um, the right analysis, the right reporting, um, the funding gets a bit easier. Um, I think, I think it, it's, it's something, it's so, I look forward to being a little bit more financially independent though. I, I, don't, I don't relish the role of, of the constant fundraiser, or maybe it would be nice to be large enough to where I, I don't have to think about that. I could just have someone who, who's solely responsible for that um, function. It's the least enjoyable um, part of the, 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 the business for me. Um, but certainly we are, we are gearing up for the future and um, hopefully we'll be able to, to accomplish some of our goals, most of our goals in the future. Okay, so who's working with you? You mentioned your kids earlier on. Are they a part of, of the we that you, you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> It's the royal we. <laughs> okay. No, our, my kids are uh, at school. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are at school. The youngest now is a senior in, in, in high school, but he, yeah. he's the, our tutor. He works with them every Saturday in the virtual academy. Oh, good. Yeah, so he's, he's a very bright chap, and he works with the kids every Saturday. He does the robotics and the math and all of that. Um, I have a son at NYU, and he is into the whole digital space. So he advises in that space, but he is at school. Um, but the we is, we have a team of interns working in Guyana. So I literally have about 10 people who, um, who help with the, with the design, the, the TV shows, the coordination, all of that with, with the lesson plans. And then we're partnering this, 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 um, this, this program, we partner with the Department of Youth and they've been just a wonderful, wonderful partner. They own the entire operation space. So okay. we do the fundraising, we do the strategic, um, the strategic outlook, we do the, the measuring outcomes. Mm -hmm. They manage the, the operations on the ground. 
And it's a wonderful partnership, wonderful people. I can't say enough good about them. The project would not have, it didn't matter, doesn't matter how much money we were given, it wouldn't have been successful without that team. So for me, for me, team is everything. Okay, okay. So if someone wants to give to STEM Guyana, how do they um, give to the program? So here in the United States, our contact is Renita Jewsbury, or you can email us at stemguyana at gmail.com. Um, any, I think right now we have, a, are you a QC? QC? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we have a program right now, um, Queens College is helping us to find laptops um, for our learning pods program. And why that is so important is that um, our young people, we have tablets in the program, but this piece I told you about in terms of using the animation program to work on science concepts, mm -hmm. it's not very wieldy doing it on, um, it hasn't been very effective doing it on a tablet. So the kids get frustrated. Mm -hmm. and, and we want to incorporate more of the um, integrated learning using the animation. So for example, when they do an essay, if they have to write an essay in English, we would like them after that to be able to animate that essay, show us the story. In, and so in order for that to be possible, they have to have laptop computers. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about 20 locations, um, COVID protocols, six children at a time. So we need to raise quite a few of those. And, and last week, uh, Samantha Mbozi, um, donated five laptops. I heard that some more people were gonna get another five this week. So you guys have been very helpful, but the biggest thing right now, if, if you have um, used laptops, used tablet computers, please email us stemgan at gmail.com. Um, cash is great, but if you have those things, we would love to have them, um, they're a huge priority. Cause, and I know you can get um, refurbished laptops on Amazon for a reasonable price too. Yeah, so, so look again, because, because of the pandemic, all those prices have gone up significantly. Okay, I haven't looked recently. Okay, yeah. are, there, are there like certain basic specs on a laptop that you need? Um, yeah, so basically we just need four gigs uh, for um, the, hard, the hard drive. Well, the hard drive is not even that important. Like, I don't know, 256 megs, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of memory, four gigs, um, a basic, a basic one. I mean, those. They, uh, I think they used to go for about one ninety nine computers like that um, mm -hmm. before the pandemic. Um, but if anybody wants to pick up a few for us, that'd be great too. I mean, I I've, I've been looking around um, to try to buy some used ones. But I know that there's a huge, huge, everybody's, there's a huge demand for them right yeah, now. I haven't looked recently. You're right. I haven't looked before, you know, the, I'm talking about before the, like, 2019. Yeah, yeah. I so know I, I had bought a few for a program. Okay, okay. That's interesting. So what, what gives you hope? Just to kind of wrap up our conversation, what gives you hope? Or, like, what keeps you moving forward with this STEM Guyana initiative? So, like, two things give me hope. Um, I've run into some young people who are incredibly bright. Mm -hmm. And when, in my world, bright does not mean 21 subjects. Um, I love QC people, but bright doesn't mean you came through QC. Mm -hmm. I, I, I give QC people a hard time, but let me tell you, everybody around me is from Queens College, one way or the other have touched that school. So I don't know what's going on. But um, Conspiracy. <laughs> conspiracy. So, so, but... So what gives me hope though, are the young people 
who I meet from across Guyana and these young adults and they're really bright and they are um, they're exposed um, to, uh, to the outside world mm -hmm. and they are hopeful and they are, they are just, uh, they communicate well, you know, and, and you interact with them and they're quick and they're thinking, but they're innovative and you're thinking, wow, Ghana's going to be okay. Ghana's going to be okay. Um, and then I think of the other thing that gives me hope, I think of those young people, for example, in Safaya, um, we have a, we've had a, a, a robotics club in Safaya and we had a national robotics competition where all the schools, many schools were involved, but clubs from all across the country, all the socioeconomic backgrounds. And Safaya came out on top. The kids awesome. from Safaya came out on top. Awesome. Why did they come out on top? They were the most creative. They were the most bold in, in going after. Like they had, so to me, my, this is my theory. They had, they were not invested in appearing bright and therefore more, more risk averse because they didn't want to be wrong. So they were jumping in with ideas and it broke and they fixed it and so what? And, and they really pushed, and you know, that's what we want. That's even what we want our top schools to produce. Mm -hmm. Young people who are not risk averse, you know, um, that, that's another long topic you and I can have. <laughs> but, but those kids from, from the, the, the environments that are not traditionally middle class and to see them for the first time in their lives succeeding at something um, and having the teachers say, wow, you figured it out, good job. And then having them say, hey, hey, Peter, go and um, help this one over here with this, that, that. Like those are things they've never heard before. I know, that's, that's amazing. That's gotta be inspiring. It's inspiring. That has it's to be inspiring. inspiring. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate you for taking time and um, I wish you all the best with STEM Guyana and I'll be giving something to it. So I'll, I'll reach out to you separately, but um, thanks so much and keep up the great work. Thanks a lot. Keep up, keep up the great work. Okay. All righty. Take care. All right, then. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.